This is a recording made in the chapel of the open book at the dinner hour meeting on Wednesday and we are still under the covering title of a finished work. It seems a long time ago when we started with Genesis 1 and of course we haven't looked at every chapter since but we are now in the Acts of the Apostles. We are making giant strides through the book to see the outworking of this purpose and the various phases of it. And some of you may be conscious that my voice has been rather affected over the weekend and I hope that it will not spoil your attention. Now, in the Acts of the Apostles is the historic link. Without it we shouldn't quite know what was happening. We should have to do some gathering from the epistles but there would be great gaps. But the Acts of the Apostles starts with the risen Christ occupying a period of about 40 days going through the Old Testament scriptures uh, with his disciples and as a consequence of that they came to him and said therefore unto him wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. Now there are some who say they were very wrong they ought to be talking about the church but you know I think if I occupied 40 days with all my limitations and at the end of the 40 days you came and asked a question which had no bearings I should think I'd be very slack. They evidently have been instructed by the risen Christ that the promises made in the Old Testament that the kingdom of Israel should be restored was a genuine fact. The only question was at this time that he put that office and that's in the Father's hands. Then we came to the day of Pentecost and we found there were Jews only there. The church was not baptized and the church wasn't there. And when Peter stood up to explain what it was all about he turns us back to the book of Joel. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It was right on the edge of the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Signs in heaven above, sun and moon being affected, but it hasn't taken place yet. It was waiting. I draw your attention that the miracles that occur both in the Gospels and in the Acts are not merely just for the sake of a bit of splendour and wonder. They had a significance, so that John never calls them in his Gospel miracles. He calls them signs. And we were looking last time at the third and fourth chapter of the Acts where there was a lame man who was miraculously healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and then I drew your attention that the word heal and the word whole and the word salvation are all one and the same word. That is to say in the Greek the verb sozo which means to save and sotia which means a saviour and soteria which means salvation gives us also the word healing. So that after they gathered round the apostle and wanted to know why this man had been healed and what it was all about, he said, neither is there healing, the healing, you remember, I told you the adjective was there, neither is there the salvation in any other. This man is only a sample, a symbol. One man healed, the whole nation will be healed by the same person, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Well, we're not able to take chapter by chapter through the Acts because I want to uh, fulfill the promise to uh, observe the way with this uh, purpose unfolds. So I'm coming to the next miracle in the Acts of the Apostles. The next outstanding miracle, which also has a significance. So if you will turn with me to the 13th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, I think we shall then see that we have got another link in the chain of purpose. The apostle has been converted 
and permissions, but he went back into obscurity, and now he is being called. Acts 13. I will not stop to read all the names of the folks that were there, but you see, the very one last to be mentioned in the first verse was and Saul. Saul is the name of the apostle, and he's not known by any other until we reach this chapter. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, and Saul would be a very honoured name in the tribe of Benjamin. That was his Hebrew name. Well, he was separated by the Spirit of God and sent off, and you see they sailed for Cyprus in verse 4. Now, at Cyprus, the um, deputy, verse 7, and by the way, the, the writer of the Acts of the Apostles could have made many blunders with regard to even the governor's name. If the Senate was ruling, or if it was under the Emperor's dictation, the name of this man would be one or the other. Don't ask me which, I don't know. But I do know this, that he never makes a mistake. He calls him a deputy. And I've seen in the British Museum the very words he uses with regard to the uh, rulers of Thessalonica, the Asiarchs and the uh, Polytarchs. They're carved on stone, and yet nobody uh, heard about them up before that. They're all in this. This man was a faithful historian. So he said there was a deputy there, and his name was Sergius Paulus. Now remember, nobody knew, so far as the Bible is concerned, that Saul was called Paul. But he's coming to be now in this very chapter on purpose, you see. And this Sergius Paulus, a Roman, he desired to hear the word of God. Verse 7. Now the charge laid against the people of Israel, and you'll find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that they withstood the preaching of the word of God to the Gentiles. Instead of encouraging it, they withstood it and filled up their sins and therefore they were drastically punished. So here we have a Jew, Elias, the sorcerer, a Jew. And he was seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. This is a little active parable going on, you see. The Gentile wanting to know, the Jew obstructing. Then Saul who also is called Paul, that's the first time. And there's a reason for it coming here, because he's linked with Sergius Paulus. He's linked with a Gentile. You know that nearly every Jewish boy in those days, and many times in, these, in our land, they have two names. I remember seeing, I think it was in Punch, her page, where a woman was leaning out of the window in a back alley sort of place, and two or three boys standing at the corner. She says, I keep. And he says, build your mother, won't you? Ike indoors, build outdoors. He was Saul at home among his Hebrew compatriots. He was Paul among the Romans, you see. And for the first time, he's called Paul. And after that, he's always Paul, linked with a Gentile. Because he is the only apostle in the New Testament who is called the apostle of the Gentiles. You needn't be spiritually minded. You can be just plain gumption to say if one man only is the apostle of the Gentiles, Surely you ought to give him a hearing. Seems to be so, anyhow. Well now, what happened to this Jew? Paul looked at him and said, All full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not persist to further the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Dreadful judgment on that man. But it was a foreshadowing because the next time we come to the great uh, crisis, Israel, not merely one man, but Israel as a nation, 
cast out into their present blindness. Romans 11 chapter tells you that blindness in part hath happened unto Israel until the fullness of time come in and then all Israel shall be saved. So we are nearing the end of the Acts when there's a parenthesis comes in. And it's God's marvellous overruling of grace that the blinding of his people and the holding up of the kingdom purpose opened a door for you and me. For then was revealed for the first time, as we sang in our hymn, that a church had been chosen before the foundation of the world, and not a word said about it, till it was evident that the kingdom purpose would be temporarily suspended. Well now, I drew your attention, oh, and by the way, now let's forget that um, the consequence of this was that the deputy with his house believed and were saved. So that we, we now see uh, there was that particular emphasis. Now, while we have this passage in front of us, let us notice uh, what happened when he stood up in the synagogue. We've only got another five minutes, but I think I can feel that. In the synagogue, he said to them, verse 26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. So now you see, the Gentile is included with the Jew. In the 11th chapter of Acts, those who were scattered abroad according as a consequence of the stoning of Stephen, went everywhere preaching to none but Jews only. Now that's scripture. None but Jews only. 11th chapter. In the 10th chapter, Peter, who is supposed to be the rock upon which the church is built, when he was asked by a Gentile to tell him the way of salvation, Peter looked him up and down and said, you know it's a thing unlawful for a man that is a Jew to be seen in company of one of another nation. Well, what could I do? He said, who was I that I should withstand God? Fancy as a leader of a mission to Gentiles when one Gentile asked him the way of salvation, say, who am I that I should withstand God? You think it'd be over, over, over heels. I'm going over heels. Yes. If he had over heels to do the job. Peter never knew, had no idea of the call of the Gentile. He was out for his own people all the time, and rightly so. So now, here's a change. So you see, Paul adds the words, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you, is the word of this salvation set. I draw your attention that in chapter 3 to it, toward the end, I think it's the last verse, Peter said, you are the children of the prophets. And he sent his son to you first. Here's the second time in this synagogue. The second time, it's to Jew and Gentile together. The last time comes in Acts 28, and I think well, it's the time just to look at that, to see that we've, we've got this link. Acts 28, there's not been a 40-day Bible exposition, but there's been a whole day devoted to it in verse 23. And the healing is mentioned at the end of verse 27, and should be converted that I should heal them. No, they were not healed by Jesus of Nazareth. They did not believe the testimony that the Apostle gave for the last time here. And he says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. Three times in the Acts of the Apostles. At Pentecost, the word was sent to Israel, and the call was to repent. In Acts 13, 
the word was sent to both Jew and Gentile. Now, the preacher is not Peter, the preacher is Paul. And when at long last it was made evident that they were not going to repent, then the blindness that fell upon Elimus, the Jewish opponent, one man, fell upon Israel. So, unless anybody you are not quite aware, we'll get that verse and then I think we've reached our limit again. Romans the 11th chapter. Whenever the apostle has something very important to say, he prefaces it by saying, I would not have you ignorant. Now, I'm not accusing anybody of being ignorant. I'm only saying it's good not to be, isn't it? So he says here, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Though he calls it a mystery, something that's not quite on the surface, that anyone can see at a glance. And what is this mystery? Lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Because there's always a remnant according to the election of grace. And so, although Israel as a nation are blinded, we still know there are those of Israel who have put their trust in the Saviour. And if you were to come to our Sunday meetings, you would meet one who was very, very fervent with regard to his teaching, who is a genuine son of Israel, who is a believer in Christ and a member of the body of Christ. He hasn't given up the faith of his fathers, the faith of his fathers given him up, but he's found that he can be accepted the same as you and I on the basis of sovereign grace and salvation by the precious blood of Christ.